Hi, this is Danielle Cursa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 206 of Art for Your Ear. Okay, let's kick things off with an exciting new development over here in the pillow fort. This episode is supported by Wireframe, a podcast all about creativity and design. Yes, a podcast supporting another podcast. How much do I love that? So Wireframe is a show made for creative professionals and takes a look at how design shapes our lives. It's for graphic designers, UX designers, illustrators, typographers, artists, and activists. So, you know, basically us. Wireframe is hosted by Koi Vin, principal designer at Adobe and one of Fast Company's most creative people in business. So there you go. I'm going to share one of my favorite Wireframe episodes a little bit later, but until then, I'm just going to send out a huge thank you to Wireframe for being my first official sponsor now that I'm part of the Coloop Podcast Network. Search for Wireframe in your podcast app, and I've also got a direct link in the full post for this episode on my site right now over at thejazzcurator.com. Now, having a design-centered sponsor actually works beautifully with today's guests. Carissa Potter Carlson is an Oakland-based artist, illustrator, and soon-to-be author. I'm putting that one out in the universe for her. She's also known as People I've Loved to her over half a million Instagram followers. Uh, Yeah, she's a pretty big deal. Carissa just interviewed me on Instagram Live a few weeks ago, and I loved her instantly, and clearly had to get her over here. Now, there's one tricky thing about inviting an interviewer to be an interviewee. Yeah, that's right. She tried to hijack this episode by asking me all of the questions. The problem is that she's so lovely and amazing that I got totally confused and completely sucked in. I did, however, eventually manage to ask her some stuff. While this is not the usual format of an Art for Your Ear episode, it is a really open, honest, inspiring, a little bit raw at certain moments kind of conversation. Oh, and there is some swearing because that can happen during open, honest, and slightly raw discussions. Okay, here we go. Jumping in mid-hijack with Carissa Potter Carlson. So the first time I ever did any sort of like radio thing, I got so many messages about my vocal fry and I started it. Well, I started because I was, this was back in the day, like this was like, I don't know, six years ago. I was on just like, I can't even remember his name because I've lost my memory. Because you had a child. Yep. And he was, it was like this San Francisco, this like sort of famous older gentleman podcast or that like did this like San Francisco live variety show at the Ferry building um, every Sunday and I was on it and I prefaced it with I'm sick okay I had a sore throat but like yeah. so my voice is really raspy and he and you would not believe all the men who reached out to me to tell me about vocal fry and I just like, I didn't know at the time I was like really disappointed. Like you didn't hear that I had a cold. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And also like, I I must like the thing that I'm really like, what is it about certain people that really love like correcting other people? Yeah. Or like, why does that well, it's, it's the mansplaining. I don't know what it is. And they probably wouldn't even say it to your face. You know, like it's no. easy to message you and tell you that. 
I, I, I know. I just, for a long time when I would get comments like that, I would leave them up because I was like, okay, well, I don't want to like edit people. And now I'm like, fuck it. It's my feed. Delete. Really? So yeah, how did because, you make that call? Pardon? How did you make that? Or when? Did, it when was did last year. Matter? It was last year during the, all the Black Lives Matter stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was making a really concerted effort to, you know, look in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I didn't even real, like, I I didn't even understand systemic racism. Like I just didn't, you know, and so I was really trying to figure it out. Well, this woman just went to town on me in the comments. She was, but she was a Karen. She was like this white lady who was like telling me how to not be racist. And I was just like, and then there was a whole bunch of like black artists that I know that jumped in and were like, what are you talking about to this lady? And uh, I had a couple of them just message me and go, just delete it. Just delete the thread. Cause all it's doing is like gathering trolls, right? Like it was just like more and more people were chiming in and I was like, a met crying on my couch. Like I was like, ah, like I'm not a bad person. And, uh, and I had a few friends just be like, just delete it. Don't, don't give them a platform. This is your platform. So squash the conversations that are just not, you know, and I, I even said in it, you know what? I'm sending a DM. I'm taking this offline. I will send you a private message. This doesn't need to be public. And I did that. And then she chimed back in and was like, post, posted another thing saying, oh, so interesting that you want to take it private. Like, you don't want to see, you don't want people to see um, what kind of a racist blah, blah, blah you are. And and then a bunch of people chimed in and said, I think taking it offline was the most mature thing. You're the one that's making this worse. And so after that, I was just like, I just sort of made a decision that if people are trying to stir the pot, like if there's an interesting conversation and there's a point to be had and, or I'm wrong or whatever, I'll leave it. But when it starts getting like that, it's just like, you know what? This is my world that I created. You're not, I wouldn't let you into my house to say those things. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not going to let you in here to say those things. Like, also, bye-bye. Again, like you said, they would never say it to your face. No. I mean, so I always I try and have that filter too. Like, if you wouldn't say this to me, like, over coffee, then you can't say it here. And I just delete it. And if they say, oh, my God, I can't believe you deleted my comment. I just say, I can't believe you said those things that you said. This is my house. I won't, yeah. I won't be spoken to like that. Sorry. I think it's really interesting that both of us have different, like, equally just rationalizations for like why we do or we don't do something because I like adamantly leave it up Mm -hmm. um not that I don't think I think whatever like obviously whatever each of us decides like I think is good yeah it's fair and makes sense does it upset you though if there's negative stuff up there oh a hundred percent um but somehow I've made this sort of like pact with myself that I think, do you know, did you follow, also, do, let's see, 9.30, uh, how much time, I have till 10. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, but I actually think that this is kind of, like, there might be, I feel like talking, having this conversation about, like, why leaving things up, maybe, yeah. maybe, or maybe not be, but may, maybe I'll try to be succinct, succinct with my thought, and then um, have you take over and okay um, and actually interview you no 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 I mean I just I feel like I I I like I'm very curious about you in a lot of ways but I was like she's not I thought when I invited you on I'm like she's usually the interviewer she's not gonna actually ever let me ask her any questions 
Oh no, I will. I will. I will. I, <laughs> I'm just I kidding. can't guarantee like interesting answers, but <laughs> I followed Jen Gotch for a really Oh long yeah. Time. Yes. Yep. And when she, like, when she got called out and sort of face it, did, did you follow that? Vaguely. So there was like a one day, I think after, like about a year ago, she had, there was like a bunch of employees that had worked at Bando that sort of like publicly came out with like some things that she had said or done or business practices. I don't know the specifics, um, but it was, I think that her, she deleted her account and oh. um, just so like all of a sudden she was just gone. And for me, I felt like I really wanted to like learn from her mistakes and the having that record of her and what she did. Like for me, as I'm like demographically similar to her, I'm like a, I'm, she's a little bit older than I am, but like a white Californian lady of a certain age. Um, I felt like her response was really relatable. Right. And like having that, using that as sort of like a relative entry point to like understand one's biases, I thought was really helpful. I also think like people make mistakes and you have to own them. Right. Again, this is like a different scenario than what you were talking about this like troll trolling you. Right. Um, so I think like it's situation specific, but I was really sad to see her go, but maybe it was necessary for other people to have her go, I, I, I have, I find it really, really hard to imagine that she's doing okay. Yeah, I know. Cause I, I knew that she was sort of like, she's been very open about struggling with, you know, depression. I think she went through a divorce and like, she was very open with all of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope she's a, okay. I hope she is too. And I also think like, I think like, I'm not saying, I don't know, maybe a bit more effective. I don't know what, what, whatever works for, and obviously this worked for her to take it down and to just let it go. Um, but I think maybe she did like a full removal from like online world, just to step away and just, you know, reassess. She left her company. She left, um, like, cause she had a, she had a podcast and a book and, uh, like she was, she was doing, doing a lot of stuff. And I think also maybe I'm like, maybe I'm also biased because I felt like she was really inspiring in terms of normalizing mental health in a way that I, I really admired, like you said. And I think, um, I think having that, the complexities of that and her being a person who had multi-layers was just like not acceptable to other people. Yeah. Um, well, do you remember um, all the stuff that happened with, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her actual name, Deuce. Um, Deuce was her blog. Oh my gosh, this is no. crazy. Everyone in the world is going to be like shouting her name at their computers because Okay, I will drop it in later. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking. Um, anyway, she was at the very beginning of blogging, like in 2006, mm-hmm. kind of, and she would write about, it was pretty funny and like kind of raw, and she just sort of complained about motherhood and um, and mental health and all this different stuff, but like she was very polarizing, like people either loved her or hated her, and the 
hate comments that she got, like the like horrible stuff, like I, I hope you die of cancer and like like crazy things, right? And so she did the smartest thing. Heather, oh, it's Heather. Oh, I almost had it. Um, she um, took all of the hate comments, put them all on one page because she started becoming kind of famous for like how much people hated her. So she just gathered them all up, put them on this one page. I forget what she called it. Like it wasn't the page of hate, but it was something like that. And then put all of her advertisers on there because that's when advertisers were paying so much per click or per view or whatever, because everybody wanted to come and read all this negativity. So that's where she sold her ads and made a fortune. So she actually monetized all this negativity. And I was like, like, I I was pretty Heather Armstrong. Okay. That's right. Anyway, deuce D O O C E. And, um, she's since gotten divorced and I think her blog went away too. And I'm not sure what she's doing either, but that was sort of in like 2009, 2010, where all of that kind of hit. And a lot of other bloggers were watching and learning and kind of, you know, she had been very hard on sleeve and maybe a bit too much hard on sleeve. I I don't know. I don't know. But I think you're right. Like everybody has to approach all of this their own way like whatever way you're on social whether you're just on there to like poke around or whether you're show, you know pictures of your kids and your dogs or whether it's a business or whatever like you just have to make those rules in your own head and decide what you're okay with and what you're not okay with with me I'm always very paranoid of when people criticize the artists because I just post about other artists right mm-hmm. so I feel like I've put them out there And then if people say mean stuff, I feel like, I mean, they have their own feeds and stuff, but I just feel like I'm like offering them to the wolves. So I feel like a little bit of a mama bear where I, I, like, I want to jump in and defend the artist or their work or whatever, you know? So I am a little bit of a, you know, I, I am a bit of a mama bear when it comes to comments about other people. Yeah. But I think that's really beautiful and kind. And I think wanting to like, I mean, it's also, I think it says a lot about how much you care and thought that you put into it and I think it is a bit of you too like your yeah. choice your curation that they're attacking. I mean it's both um and I don't know what to, I don't know what I think like I've never thought about how as a curator if if the public didn't like my choices or the artists like how I would react to that um and and also like yeah would I be able to have a distance there and not not take it personally I'm really good at taking things personally oh me too <laughs> and me so too. Think, uh like internalizing everything is just so natural yeah um, it's exhausting isn't it that, that's why I loved when we did our Instagram live together because I was like oh I completely get her because I feel the same way like I you know I have the same I'm so sensitive to and um like when I was telling you some stories and you actually teared up when we were doing the IG live and I was like, Oh no, 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 don't do that. Because then it, I'm going to cry. And it's like, I, I don't want to cry. Um, but there's nothing wrong with crying. It's weird how infectious emotions are. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it's, I also think like, I think for me, the reason I think I got so emotional with, with you in particular is like, I think this time period has really highlighted, or like we talked about fertility and what it meant to be a mom and like a woman and how all of these things are like interlinked. And um, 
I think throughout since before kind of I didn't realize how much my 30s I was gonna how much headspace in my 30s I was gonna devote to this topic right um that and now too like I kind of feel like I might be going through pre-menopause and or I don't know what's going on something hormonal in my body just like is making these like crazy mood swings um and there well, your daughter's only two right mm-hmm. yeah but like you're just in it you're just in it and she has cystic fibrosis right mm-hmm. which is insane like that is a daily like I have a really good friend whose daughter has it too and um and same thing was diagnosed when she was only a few weeks old and Ruby is now I think she's 10. Oh I love hearing about other kids thriving with thriving and she's thriving and um she's just such a little trooper and um her mom posts on we're high school friends but her mom posts on Facebook all the time doing all of the therapy where she would have to like do the little beating on her chest and Mm -hmm. all the medication and all the things that you need to learn so you don't just have learning how to be a mom which is already insanely overwhelming but you have learning about cystic fibrosis and how to take care of her with this. So it's, it's not even double. It's like quadruple the amount of information that's in your brain. I am not surprised that there are mood swings and that there are major highs and lows because you're managing so much. You know that though, right? Well, I flip back and forth because on some days, on some days I think, oh, this is just what, just what motherhood is or parenthood. Um, and then on other days I think, oh, you know, this is a lot. Um, and I don't, it's really hard to know. It's really hard since also during the pandemic, like we just haven't seen anyone. Else. Like I don't, I don't. Yeah. Like for the majority of her life, you guys have been tucked away. Really? Yeah. Um, and so like, and because cystic fibrosis is such like a, I don't know, isolating condition because you can't, I don't know if you, or, or if you know this, but like, people with CF can't be around other people with CF. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. So like actually the six foot rule was something that we had pre, um, pre COVID. Um, and mask wearing was actually something like it didn't really change for us. Um, wow. COVID hit like our, our, when you said it earlier that your brother-in-law was a surgeon and was having to wear a hazmat suit. Like every time we go to the doctor, we have to do that. Um, pre um, COVID and now, uh, it's still that way and it will continue to be that way. Um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it, oh, cause they can infect each other with, they have like, oh. um, they carry, they're susceptible. They just have a weakened immune system and they're susceptible to different bacteria and infections. And if they're around each other, they can just transmit them really easily. And then, okay. Um, but I think like becoming, I think for so long, I, I, I really waited to like have a baby because I was so scared about what, if it would be possible to be a mom and an artist. Mm. But I'm also very like greedy and I wanted to have both experiences. <laughs> uh, and so how do you find it? Like, what are you thinking? I think, you seem to be quite prolific with your work. Uh, not I don't feel that it never feels that way if that hmm. makes sense. Um, but thank you for saying 
I'm in some ways I'm glad I'm projecting that I have some sort of that that I'm making things <laughs> or doing things. But also I also want to normalize it being okay to not do anything. Totally. Um, yeah. I think I'm really lucky. I have a really amazing team or like uh, people I've loved. We just have really brilliant people and are able to kind of push through. Um, I think also when I was talking to another mother recently who had um, taken four months off when her baby was born. And for me, I got to like, I was imagining pre-Margaret that I would take two weeks and then her came and it turned out to be like basically a year. Um, and well, it should be, yeah. Answer emails and things like that, just to like keep the ball rolling, like bare minimum. But uh, there was just no way to do it. Like, no way. But you really, I feel like, I don't know if this feels that way, this way in Canada, but like, you really have to choose here just because it's so expensive to have kids. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's as I mean, I didn't realize because I've just grown up here and this is, you know, but I, I was um, somewhere years ago and Charlie was little. He was maybe three. And somebody asked me um, how long I saved up before having him, like for hospital costs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? It's real. Because we don't have to do that. Like we just have a baby and then you go home. Even if you have complications or like I had a C-section and, and um, Charlie almost died and we needed to be in the hospital for an extra five days and then you go home and there's no bill. Like it just, I, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of friend. like until I started Jealous Curator, I didn't know a lot of um, American women that were my age. Like, you know, I just knew other Canadians. And uh, so I had so many friends that were in, you know, my age in their thirties that were starting to have babies. And and then they were asking me like, oh, well, how long are you going to take off? And I was like, well, like, a year. And people were like, what? And like, you don't have to think about it. Like your job is saved for you. Like you can, and then you can defer an extra year as well if you want to, and your job is still safe. And um, I, I ended up quitting. Like I worked at an ad agency and I, I took my one year. And then it, when Charlie was maybe six months, I phoned and said, yeah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> nope, can't do it. And uh, I stayed home with him. We just lived in a shitty townhouse. Like we just made sacrifices in other places where, you know, we could survive on one salary. We lived in the burbs in a crappy little townhouse, but it allowed me to stay home with him till he was five. Mm. And I started Jealous Curator when he was about two and a half, just because I needed something. something for me, you know, and I never thought anybody would read it or anything, but I just needed something creative for me. And, um, and then, yeah, when I started freelancing a bit, design freelance when he was maybe four because he was at preschool three mornings a week. So I just started to have this little bit of extra time. And then off he went to kindergarten. And I was like, I remember sitting in this coffee shop that I used to go with him all the time when he was little. And it was like the second week of school and he was happy to be at school, but he was gone from me for like, what, six or seven hours where I'd been with him 24 seven. And I phoned my husband at work crying because I'd seen a mom and a little blonde two-year-old boy walking to the park where I would normally walk with. I was like, he's at school. What am I supposed to do? Greg's like, get an extra coffee. And I was like, oh, I don't want, like, it was so hard to, he had no problem with the transition. It was me that had this huge problem. And now he's 15, he's turning 15 this summer. And he's talking about which college he wants to go to. And 
again, I'm just like, oh, no, 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 you can't leave. I was like, I'll homeschool you. I'll homeschool you for university. That'll be fun. <laughs> it's so, I, I can't get over, like, and I, I know this is something, like, everybody knows, like, the, how parenting is so paradoxical. Like, they, you would be preparing this by taking care of them, preparing them to leave you. Yeah. In a weird way. I know. I kind of hate it. Like, I wish I could just pause time. Or like, I always say to my husband, I wish I could just jump in a time machine and go hang out with Charlie when he was three for an afternoon, you know? And then when I'm so tired that I can't take it anymore, I'll pop back to now. (laughs) He's totally self-sufficient and, you know. And then um, he's going to night's sleep. Yeah. And I can sleep. He didn't sleep through the night till he was almost two and a half. Yeah. I don't. I'm excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think Margaret has just started having night terrors. Charlie um, had them too. But I don't know. Uh, wait, do I need to talk in it? Do I have any, do we want to go through your questions or do we, do we just want to? <laughs> well, I want to ask you a couple of things. Okay. Okay. But we won't go all the way back and start from the beginning because we just don't have time because you've got other things to do. But I want to know, um, okay, we have to talk about people I've loved and what that is and how that started. But I wanted to know, were you doing it like paintings and installations and stuff first? No, wait, did you go to art school? Illustration? No, no, actually, actually, I have a degree. I went to undergrad thinking I wanted to study art, but I went to a um, liberal arts college because I thought, oh, you know, I don't, I'm just not sure. And then when I got there, um, the chair of the art department was also the chair of the art history department because I went to a very small university and uh, he was like you're not smart enough to be an art history major and you're not talented enough to be an art major so you need to find another major and it all came to a circle because my 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 graduate when I when I was graduating he was like why aren't you an art major and I was like but I think like oh this, my so my excuse for this is that he was a printmaker and just like chemical exposure makes people go crazy. <laughs> and so I feel like a lot of people who have been exposed to like harsh chemicals for like 60 years, like they're little, or maybe just screw Like anyway, he probably oh thought God. he was doing me a favor by telling me that I wasn't smart or talented. And <sighs> But anyway, so I have a gender studies degree. <laughs> um, and he, uh, I, I, ha- I still have like for many years for like maybe, I don't know, it's been a while, uh, dreams where I would like go to graduation and I would be like, see, see, I can do this. You were wrong. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> Um, I'm still waiting to get get an honorary doctorate from my university um, <laughs> so that I can go back and go, see, I told you. But yeah. alas, it has not occurred yet. But you know, uh, <laughs> it I've got it floating out there. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to this. Uh, do you listen to On Being? No. I was listening to Krista Tippett talk this morning about like dreams as reality, like as information and reality and just like a different type of intuition and reality. Yeah. and um it feels like for me you already have by like doing what you do it is kind of yes it is true but you know there's that little bit of revenge that you would like to like publicly be like aha um okay so you graduate with general studies but then like so did you just start making stuff 
Oh no. So I went, then I went to, then I was like, oh, well actually I do really want to make art. Um, and so I went to graduate school for printmaking and, uh, there I did kind of like print and zine and I got really into letterpress because letterpress, have you done letterpress? Mm-hmm. Very addicting. Yes. Um, and screen printing. There's like this very like beautiful graduate, uh, gratification of like having this idea in your head somehow translated rapidly into this like beautiful object I mean if you're I mean I guess that's not objective to say that some people might find it uh, but anyway it also has this like sort of tactile quality that's just sexy and um so yeah what I like about it is there's process too like there's mm-hmm. you know there's rules mm-hmm. to the creativity which kind of I really like that like, I, I minored in printmaking I wish I'd majored in printmaking because of that like it's just I went to such a painting school though. So I kind of felt like I was supposed to do painting, but printmaking was my minor and I loved it for exactly all those reasons. It's weird. Cause now I paint. Yeah. <laughs> I really did fall in love with, I really did fall in love with print. Um, and I, I still love it. Um, but so I studied that and I got kind of into the sort of like zine publishing world is how I started. But like, and also doing installations. Um, yeah, how did that? Because I, I didn't know that. And I was researching this for our chat. And I was like, what is all of this stuff? Um, but I, I, It's awesome, your installations and paintings. I, I think I just like, um, I like creating like these ideal environments that I would want to exist in. Um, or like, again, actualizing what, what you have these sort of ideas and having that manifest in a physical form is really sort of satisfying mm-hmm. um but I think at the time I was really fascinated with um I was in a really difficult relationship and retrospect in retrospect I think like I was actually the difficult person um but at the time I was like wrestling with having all these like complex feelings like the thing that I think about is and I don't you don't this might be triggering um to some people so turn your ears off but um like having sex when you don't want to have sex Mm. like I did like this project I'm like how do you because like it's not as simple as it's just complicated because you're two people and like sustaining relationships is is a lot about compromise and compromise is not sexy right Um, and sometimes you have to do things like I don't know talk yourself into doing things or not doing things because like not feeling for example on the flip side like not feeling rejected if, if somebody doesn't want to like be intimate with you right on this particular night because they're just not feeling it or like flipped um and I think I shared like my my mother-in-law is living with us right now and I think I shared like a lot of like dirty laundry but I felt like it was really important in my head because it was like I was having these sort of I don't know if they were like performance art. I felt like that was going on in other people's minds. Mm. Um, that they like their relationship to how they viewed the work was, I hoped like therapeutic and generating some sort of self acceptance. Basically, I was just telling saying things out loud that I wanted somebody to tell me, but yeah. nobody did. When when was this? that you did this this is I graduated in 2010 oh, okay um and then so big so how to state how stationary kind of came out of that was 
again, I was like sort of, I was, I felt like I was curating these conversations, complex conversations with strangers um, that was really interesting to me. Uh, Cause I felt like there were all these, I think growing up, I grew up in a household that was like very particularly um, second wave white feminist. Mm-hmm. And there was sort of like the ideal woman was like this sort of femme fatale archetype who was always a little bit distant and to like exist in the world, you had to play a certain amount of games and like act detached mm-hmm. to like have people attached to you. And so I think I was always wrestling with this, like I didn't want to play games. I wanted to be honest, but I also wanted to be liked. Um, mm. And I think facilitating conversations between people that would enable you to say what you were really feeling um, was fascinating. Now, as I get older, I'm like, I don't know if you need to say everything you think. <laughs> it's, it's weird how people, how time changes people. Yeah. Wait till you turn 40. Uh, it's coming. Yeah, is it? <laughs> uh, I found 40. so many things changed in me, how I thought and stuff after I turned 40. I don't know what I, I, I think that's an interesting benchmark. It is, yeah. Like, why 40? I don't know. Somebody told me, I had a few friends that were older than me, and they called it fuck it 40. Because <laughs> you just get to 40, and you're like, whatever, man. Like, you, you just don't, you stop worrying so much about what other people think. And um, you've known yourself for that much longer. You know, you've had that much more experience. So you just hit a point where you're like, mm, no, I don't want to do that. Where I never said no to anything before, um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to rock the boat. I, I wanted to please everybody. And then after I turned 40 and now I'm 48, I, you know, now I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Maybe I'm just really tired. I don't know. But uh, it's been very liberating, you know. I like, I like that. I like the way you said that. I feel, um, yeah, no, I'm no. just. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Uh, anyway, and then it's so, what, what I realized was you say no, nothing happens. The world doesn't explode. People don't hate you. Just nothing happens. You just don't have to do the thing you didn't want to do. I was like, oh, damn. I should have done this a long time ago. And I was was in an abusive relationship in my early 20s. And it was horrible. And I didn't get the help. I didn't get the help I needed after. Um, Mm -hmm. So I internalized a lot of things and tried to handle it mentally on my own which was a very bad idea which then led to major major anxiety in my early 40s that I kind of realized was pent up from not saying no to all sorts of things you know um including like you said like sex like not wanting to do that with him but feeling like the repercussions in that situation were dangerous you know so but then you pack that away and that becomes like this weird nugget of truth in your head about, you know, in other relationships, it's just such a jumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciate your blunt honesty. Like um, with people I've loved, like I, I just love the stuff that you put out there in art form, you know, that I do really think starts conversations, especially amongst women that we should have and should not there shouldn't be shame around saying certain things you know and I love that you put that out in the world well I think that 
not to turn this back around you, but I think that I, that's why I love that you talking like jealousy is a real topic for me or like a very consuming topic. And I feel like that being admitting that there's a certain like jealousy entrapped in admiration that I think is beautiful. We know what's so funny is I don't know if I would have said that out loud if I thought anyone would ever read my blog. I just, I, I just started it for myself because my bookmarks list was so long, right? And I just, I wanted a visual bookmarks list. And I think we were talking about it on your um, IG live that, you know, my husband had said, like, if you say it out loud, you can turn jealousy into admiration. And so my blog was my way of saying it out loud, but I never thought anyone would ever look at it. But because my tagline was, damn, I wish I thought of that. I didn't realize that would be such like a magnet <laughs> for other creative people. I thought I was the only one that thought that. And suddenly the name Jealous Curator, the tagline, people were like, just like moths to a flame because they were like, I get that. And suddenly I had oh, this community of people who got it. And I was like, I didn't know anyone else got it. And now it's like hundreds of thousands strong. And it's like, oh, thank God. But we don't stew in it. Like, we you know, we don't stew in the jealousy. We are, we're like flipping it and everybody's like moving forward and doing the admiration thing, you know? And I, it's such a, I'm so happy that I'm making art again. You I'm know, really happy for you too. That's really exciting to think, because are you, are you still at the, I'm not going to show anyone phase? It's well, now it's all done. This new, this new body of work is done, but I need walls to put it on because it's just in my little dark studio and I can't, it needs to be sort of photographed on mass, like in a group. And I need someone to give me white walls to put it on because right now <laughs> I'm just in this weird standstill moment. So uh, there's a local gallery here that I've been hounding them, trying to let them give me some space because I just need it to hang somewhere so I can photograph it. But I'm so proud of it. Um, you don't want to share what you got? <laughs> sure. Uh, wait, wait a minute. This is the interview about you. Okay. I will quickly share it. And then you have to tell me why wait, it's we're, called. I think we're almost out of time. Well, what do you, you have another meeting you have to go to? Uh, I'm actually doing, uh, I'm doing a, it's, it's really fun. It's a, I have an install. Uh, I need to finish up an install oh, um, today exciting. and that's the home. Um, okay. That, okay. Well then, okay. Then I'm not going to talk about me. I'm just going to say my thing is basically ashtrays, uterus as an ashtray. Okay. So, so I've pictured my the space where my uterus used to be because it was removed last June and I've pictured it as this place for beautiful garbage because it's it was so broken and junky in there and there was things growing everywhere and they had to take it out but at the same time it was this place where my baby grew and I'm so lucky that I was able to have him because they didn't even think I could have a baby so it's this sort of gratitude beautiful but broken or broken, but beautiful, I guess. So um, I've been making, I've made over a thousand clay cigarettes and I am filling vessels, broken vessels. So like broken shell ceramics or broken, um, I just crashed a lady's head. I found this like ceramic lady's head at the thrift shop for five bucks and I smashed it. And then I fill, I'm filling up part of her head with cigarettes. And so it's, they're basically these ashtray altars to my uterus. Do you have 
Um, yeah, I want one. Deal. <laughs> um, the, I think uh, with, with um, what is it? I'm sure you know this. What's the term in, in, I think it's in Japan, like broken ceramics being yes. stronger. Yeah, where they put them back together with the gold. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but yeah, so beautiful. And that's kind of part of the idea of it. And part of the idea came from, I go to Venice every year for the Biennale and it's just the most magical place. And my friend Jocelyn and I would walk around in the evenings and there's all these little weird makeshift altars in people's windows and in these little nooks. Um, and they're very often a female saint and... Um, there's little plastic flowers and like little off candles, but then people throw their garbage there. Like people put their cigarette butts out or there'll be like a Fanta can crushed and just in there. And so it's sort of this broken, but beautiful, like somehow the Fanta can works or like somebody will put like a pop can up there, but somebody will put a flower in it. So there's this really like garbage, but beautiful something something so it kind of came from that but then and they were very literal altars when I started but because I've kept it quiet and private it's evolved and evolved and evolved to the core of the idea was which is basically these ashtrays so I've kind of let the saints go I've let the altar thing go and it's I boiled it down to these sort of beautiful ashtrays. That's beautiful that you sort of protected and honored that process and what you needed to kind of make these into what they were supposed to be. Yeah, and I've never done that before. And I'm I'm so glad. I mean, it's been almost a year of just kind of working and working and throwing stuff out and trying it again and distilling and getting it messy again and pulling it back. And I mean, if people have the time and space to do that, I highly recommend it. Okay, before you don't see it, you're gonna ask me another question. No. Yeah. Stop it. Okay. 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 So I want to know, and then I'll let you go. People have loved A, why is it called that? And when did you start it officially? uh 2012 um okay. i think like you this goes to like naming is hard and i think that i liked people i've loved actually come came out of a exhibition that i had in san francisco in 2011 i think um but i think there's i don't have like i feel like i should have have like 11 words that like describes it perfectly but i think there's something both like beautiful and tragic about the idea that you're surrounded by these people, but it's also in past tense. Right. Um, and so I think I wanted to, I wanted to sort of have this sort of connective energy, but also that seemed too saccharine. So there's also a little bit of, a little bit of sort of sadness to it that I think mm -hmm. I, I really embrace and carry with me. Um, I, I think also at the time, um, I was really into Bastian Elder. Oh, do you know who I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Um, he's a Dutch conceptual artist, but he, he had this video that really moved me that was, um, uh, I'm so sorry to tell you. And it's just, it's just him crying. Um, and I think I was really into sort of um, embracing this sort of sadness or the entire emotional spectrum. And so people I've loved um, just felt, it just felt right. Um, it's very narrative too. Of, what? It's very narrative too, because you can instantly, depending on who's reading that, people I've loved, it tells a story, right? Like you instantly think of somebody that you have loved and whether it was a sad goodbye or they've passed or it was, 
terror, like the abusive thing, you know, or if it was, or if it's somebody that you love right now, who's still in your life or whatever. I've never thought about how instantaneously emotion generative it is. Oh yeah. Um, that I think, I actually think that it wasn't strategic. It was happenstance, but I think is potentially powerful. And I've never thought about till that until this moment. Um, or maybe not. It's maybe it's presumptuous to think that everyone has loved someone um, and what their relationship to love is. I mean, I hope everyone has loved someone it would be sort of even more tragic. Okay, you're yeah. being called away, aren't you? No. Um, Josh, my partner who um, during quarantine, we've shared a space and he is listening to music and singing softly. Oh. <laughs> Josh singing quietly in the background seemed like a perfect spot to take a little break to A, let him finish his song, and B, to tell you about an episode of Wireframe that I think that you will like. This one is called, Does Burger King's New Logo Make You Nostalgic? To me, the answer was instantly, uh, yep. <laughs> in case you haven't seen it, the Burger King logo has basically gone back to what it looked like when we were kids, just with a tiny little bit of spacing and tweaking. But other than that, yep, it is an orange and red burger. <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of psychology and research around nostalgia making us feel comfort during difficult times. Yes, that would be now. <laughs> The episode gets into all of that, along with interviewing the designers who reworked the Burger King lo um, logo to look, well, exactly like it already did for decades. FYI, they claim they didn't go nostalgic on purpose. Hmm, okay. Anyway, that is just a little taste, see what I did there, of this particular episode. Ooh, and apparently they've got one coming up where they're going to be discussing how much designers hate Comic Sans. Now, I realize hate is a strong word, but it is really how we feel about that font. We all hate it. A lot. Once again, thanks to Wireframe for being the kind of creative podcast that supports another creative podcast. Search for them in your podcast app or find the link in the full post on my site. Okay, that should have given Josh enough time to finish his singing. Let's see if I can get Carissa to answer some questions now. Um, okay, so can I just ask, so people I've loved, is it a bit of an empire now? Like how, how big is your team? And like, what are you, are you guys every, like, are, is your, are, are your products in shops everywhere? What's the deal? Well, it's a little bit, um, I don't really know that. I mean, it's tricky about the, I think part of my core personality is constantly in a crisis of meaning and like um what are we doing and who are we and why are we here and what's next like it's I have a really difficult time being in the present or accepting the present um as is I spend a lot of time in other tenses and right now I, I know this is like a kind of indirect way of answering that um I don't think it's intentional I never intended with people I love to create um, an empire. I just wanted to create like a sustainable business that mm -hmm. would, would have a group of people who enjoyed working together theoretically. And, um, we could make ends, ends meet. Um, but that 
it has really that's that sounds very like simple and ideal but like the complexities of that are ever evolving and uh the cost of living in california is really high and so it's it's very difficult to kind of you almost have in some ways i'm learning as i do this longer like you almost have to grow to sustain what you have mm -hmm. which in a way is like i i think also i've i've gone back to like having issues with like capitalism in general and mm -hmm. like trying piece with like that to survive and to feed my family I have to sell things um and make things and like what do you do when you're stuck in this world that already has too much stuff but yet you're a lover of stuff and you survive off of it um, yeah and so I think it's very like it's complicated of where people I've loved is at um I will say it is a privilege and an honor um to be able to make things mm -hmm. um i cross my fingers every time that someone will find meaning or a little bit of joy or consolation depending on where they're at in something that i've made um but i also think going back to your people i've loved question about the name i think for me i this and this also came out as a pandemic i've been really anti the idea that like we're individuals that have single like I, I really want to push back against the like tortured artist mm. or genius idea that like the the part of part of the reason I like people I've loved is that it, I feel like in itself it also acknowledges that like even though I do the drawing like physically my hand makes the drawings but like it's a compilation of like every interaction I feel like that I've had where like we do brainstorming as a team like if someone's going through something like so there's lots of like I don't like I feel like the boundaries between where I end and other people begin are actually a lot more porous than mm. I feel like I've learned or yeah. like that I always thought was reality that's really nice actually like that's um I've been thinking about that a lot too again with quarantine and things like um even when we were talking at the beginning about mask wearing and and or people deciding not to get vaccines or to do it or whatever that i think it's so nice when people start thinking about humans as a whole as opposed to i'm just going to take care of me you know mm -hmm. forget everybody else or like i'm not i'm just going to do what i want to do and i don't care how it affects people around me um that's been really bothering me like you know with the whole trump administration it seemed very much like it's just all about me very greedy and um it's made me really pay attention to yeah exactly that like i just respect people so much who who take other people into consideration you know and um, their family and their neighbors and their town and their country and the world you know just to realize we're all kind of in this together Absolutely. you know it, it was really weird to live through a moment where the entire world shut down you know it wasn't just like a thing that was just happening in wherever you know or like oh the tsunami hit in wherever so it doesn't really affect you i'll send some money but it doesn't affect me this affected everyone in the world at the same time and um i hope it's made some very large mental shifts in a lot of people to to realize that we have to take care of ourselves and the planet and each other. I hope so too. Yeah. I really hope so. It seems like 
from for the logic that I sort of exist within, it seems like we would have to. Um, but I my news feed suggests otherwise. I know. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> Stupid news feed. Um, Carissa, you need to go. No, okay. <gasps> let's quit. Wait, like, okay, wait. I'm making you stay for a little bit more because let's talk about your Substack. Let's talk about bad at keeping secrets quickly because. When I read the name of that newsletter, I laughed out loud because I am terrible at keeping secrets. And I've lost some friends because of it. Because here's the thing. If any of them are listening, this is why I have traded your secrets. (laughs) Because I feel like when I have secrets from people, it proves that I know them really well. And that they loved me enough to tell me. So sometimes like I accidentally share people's secrets if, I, if I'm defending them or if I'm trying to share how great they are. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll share the thing that I shouldn't have shared. Mm-hmm. It just happens because I love people and I love stories and I love loving people. And so sometimes those things that should stay in the vault do not. I feel like that's a really positive interpretation of it. Okay, um, good. What's, what did you mean by it? Oh, no, I, I think like, for me, I don't think I have, I think, I think I just have bad boundaries. Uh, <laughs> like, it doesn't, I'm not affected. I'm not affected by like, if something is the way it is, I'm not, like, I don't think we should have any shame around that. And right. so I just like project that onto other people's bushes. And I think that <laughs> a lot of times it doesn't serve me. Um, or them but I want to like create these connections or like understandings and again going back to kind of echoing what you said I love stories um, and sort of identities and trying things on and sharing and connecting with other people and lots of times it does come from sharing other people's experiences right Um, and so I sort of honor that and since I don't feel the need to be private in a lot of ways I mean, I'm sure that there are, even though the narrative that I'm telling myself right now that I like don't have secrets is both a privilege, but also not true. I'm sure we could find something that I wouldn't want to talk about, <laughs> um, even though I'm like, oh, like, oh, I'll tell you anything. Um, so I think it's kind of unfair, but at the same time, I don't know. Um, well, I liked what it says at the beginning of the newsletter that um, unless you tell me, that this is confidential, just know that you might, I might tell somebody. It, you might tell somebody. <laughs> and so what, what is, when those newsletters go out, they're very touching and very like you, like they're very hard on sleeve. And so, um, yeah, like what, what's the newsletter about? Like why, is it just an extension of people I've loved or what do you, what's going on? So secretly, and this, this is this is this is one of those things actually. Um, secretly, I'm really embarrassed to tell you that I want to be a writer. I think you are um, a writer, but I'm not a writer. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a person who word vomits and then writing. But I think like I think the thing for so long, I've really like sort of honed in on kind of like really distilling what emotional sort of trauma or revelation I'm going through into like one singular digestible image right Um, and so I think now I am really interested in sort of like unpacking the complexities and sort of um how do I say this uh 
really sort of digging into the nuances and not a like a, a neat way, like a, right. getting, getting sort of messy again. Um, and I don't know if anyone will find that interesting. I just, for some reason, feel compelled to do it. I think you should. You know, all of my major aha moments have just come from doing the thing that I want to do, whether there's an outcome or not. And then it always leads to something because it comes from a true place. Like it comes from a true interest just in you. You know, even just the jealous curator, there was never intent for anything. I think if I'd sat down to like make a blog that could monetize and that could be a thing, I'd think it would have failed. Hard to know. Yeah. I also, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem like the type of person who is genuinely curious about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Essentially find interest in a wide array of topics. Yes, that's true. And therefore it's hard to decide or curate what, what to kind of, how to spend your time or what you're genuinely interested in. That's true. And then that is the other thing with turning 40 is that I have, I have started to distill it. Mm-hmm. I felt like in my thirties, I was a little bit more like there was so much stuff. And then now again, it could just be exhaustion talking, but I I've gotten to a point where no, I've going to do that. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. And like making my art more important, mm-hmm. you know, I had put it on the back burner for so long. I convinced myself, you know, from teachers telling me that I couldn't do it or from a society saying that artists starved to death or I don't know. I just convinced myself that I couldn't do it. And now, you know, with Bucket 40, I'm like, "Eh, I think that I will. (laughs) And um, it's taken me back to being that art kid that I was when I was little, where I didn't care what people thought. I just made stuff because I wanted to make stuff. So it's been kind of a bit of a rebirth in my 40s to just do the things that I want to do. Like, I really wanted to write a kid's book. And I was really discouraged to do it. And um, Wait, why were you discouraged? Well, because it's a super competitive market and I'm not known for that. Oh, there it is right there. I'm not known for it. You know, I'm known for, you know, inner critic is a big jerk and all that stuff. And so, but I didn't care. I just, this was like a thing. And so before I even had a deal or even had anybody to talk to about it, I had the book done. It was written, it was illustrated because I did it as an art project. I was like, you know what? I don't care if there's no book deal. I'm just going to make it like I would make a collage. I just need to do this. I need to get it out of my head and into something else, into a form. And, um, and then we sold it in three days, you know, and um, it was just one of those things. I think if I'd waited around for something, it never would have happened. And I was just like, ah, fuck it. I'm just, I really, you really shouldn't say fuck it and kids book in the same breath, but there we are. Hey, why not? (laughs) well you really shouldn't swear when you're talking about a little children's book but you know that's just where we are that's just where we are I don't know I have this conversation (laughs) with my my mother-in-law a lot about swear words because I I I use them and uh take no take no issue when maybe I should uh about saying fuck it in regards to writing a children's in the same time right right yeah But for me, it's all about, like, it's not about the word, but it's about the intention behind the world. Right. And like, in this instance, you're like, it's an empowerment. It's a sort of like, it's true. Being true to yourself. It's a, it's a phrase that like, it, 
it translates this like very beautiful thing. It's not like saying like you you don't want to like it's the harm of using right. It's not saying it to somebody in a cruel way. Like yeah, that yeah. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's empowerment to myself to say you know what I'm just gonna go do it. Yeah. And um, why does that? Why is that? Why is that something that a child couldn't handle? True. Oh my but, god, we were just talking about this the other day with Charlie. He came home from preschool, I think he was maybe four. Came home and he said, "Mommy, I know what the F word means." <laughs> and I said, "You do?" I said, "What does it mean?" Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, I guess in some crowds it could, sure." Uh, anyway, so we he completely forgot that, so we just reminded him of that the other day. <laughs> we all had a very good laugh. I know what the F word means. Anyway, okay. The last thing I'm going to ask you, well, I'm going to put all of this into a great big post so that people can sign up for About It Keeping Secrets. And I'm going to predict right now that that leads to some kind of book. You know what I could see it being? I could see it being one of your illustrations, which are so succinct and like get a thing across super quick in one quick image, right? But then you have a chapter where you unpack that whole thing. Then you have another illustration and a chapter that completely unpacks that whole thing. I think it would be perfectly you. I mean, that would be a dream scenario. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, I would love that. Um, you could completely do that. <clears throat> I wonder if you did that. The book came out. It was on a shelf if you would call yourself a writer then. Don't know. Yeah. We'll have to find out. I don't know. Publishers. Um, it does. Everybody, it does whoever's make, listening, call her. I, well, I feel sort of like also embarrassed because I met with Kate um, like a few weeks ago. Actually, um, I can't remember. Oh, it was, it was around getting your book. Okay, yeah. there you go. See, universe um, aligning. Yeah, go on. Well, no, and I like, I like forced the words. I want to write a uh, book. <laughs> uh, actually, no, 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 really. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just, um, you know, whatever. And she was like, I think I might be having a stroke. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is really um, <laughs> a, a natural next statement. And, and people are like, oh, well, you know, you have to like write to be a writer. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, shit, she's right. <laughs> um, and so I think like, I think it's a lot more, it's like competitive. And I also feel like it's one of those things too, with like being an artist where you like, I think it took me, it's taken me like 15 years of doing art full time to like be comfortable with that term. To say the A word. Yeah. Yeah. The A word. Um, well, you know, when Kate approached me, I, all I had was the blog. I'd been writing the blog for about a year and a half. My blog posts are like a paragraph. So it's not writing. It's a little paragraph. It's like an Instagram comment basically before Instagram was invented. And she approached me at a conference and said, hey, aren't you the jealous curator? And I said, oh, yes. Oh, well, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, no one, because I mean, my photo is like a Polaroid in front of my face. Nobody ever knows who I am, especially then. It was like a year and a half in. And she said, um, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, okay. Because <laughs> like, I was like, what? And so my first book, Creative Block, was a Q&A with other artists because I was too scared to write. So I, was like, I could do a Q&A. I could do a Q&A. So that book came out. It did well. And then Kate said, um, I think you should do a fo another book. And I was like, great. Here's who I'll Q&A this time. And she said, no, no, it's time for you to write a book. And I was so excited, mixed with 
terrified. Mm-hmm. And the first day I went to write the intro, because I was like, I'm an author now. So I bought a fuzzy sweater because I assumed authors have. I mean, that's a correct assumption. Right? All authors need fuzzy sweaters. Yeah. My, Greg still calls it my author sweater. Like years later now when I wear it, he's like, oh, I love the author sweater. So I bought the author sweater. <clears throat> I went to my little, this restaurant by the lake in our town. It's so beautiful. And I opened up my laptop because I'm a writer. I also bought a hot pink um, notebook because I assume authors probably have that right and then I opened it up and opened Microsoft Word and I just stared at this blank white rectangle and the cursor was blinking and I always just picture it being like fuck you (laughs) like your cursor was like yeah let's see you try and I was just like I had a I started crying I had a full-blown panic attack couldn't catch my breath and I was like I'd signed the contract but I hadn't been paid anything yet and I was like Okay. Okay. Maybe you could get out of it. I'm going to get out of it. I'll just call Kate. You can't do this. Yeah. I was like, yeah, the cursor's telling me shut the laptop. So I just wrote my panic attack. Mm -hmm. I was like, here's what's happening. And that was the intro of the book essentially. And so, you know, and it took me a long time to be able to say writer. It's taken me a long time to be able to say artist. Um, But you know, now, now when I sign off on emails, it's author slash artist. And I say it with confidence, but, and you were, you are absolutely going to be there. This is my prediction. We will document this. This will be in history books, this conversation. Cause it'll be like, that was the moment. Right. Well, Danielle, I will have to call you whenever I need to have talk and feel better <laughs> about where I'm at in life because it's been a, Ditto. a hard couple of weeks and yeah. really talking to you. I can't tell you, uh, I thank you for your kindness. And I, I have no, I'm not even, I'm, I'm not blowing sunshine anywhere. I really, really think this. And um, it's my prediction. And I love being right. I, I love it. <laughs> I love being right too. I mean, there is something, no, actually, I don't care. I really, sometimes I, sometimes I'm okay with being wrong too. I, I'm not. I, that's why I watch true crime. Cause I like to guess what's going to happen so that I can be right. Are you watching Mayor of Easttown? No, I don't. I have a two-year-old. Oh, that's right. You won't watch TV for about another seven years. Okay. Um, it is so good. I'm, we're down to the last episode and my husband will not let me guess because I'm usually right. So I told mm-hmm. him today, I'm going to write a document about what I think is the outcome and tuck it away so that when we watch the final episode, I can prove that I was right. And he's like, oh, I, do you I, think I he's like, do you think this is maybe some sort of mental illness? And I was like, no, I think it's fine. <laughs> I don't think it's mental illness. No, I think, I think it's, it's just fine. fine. Yeah. I think it makes life interesting. Yeah. And I I'm think- probably right. So that's what I love about this prediction about you and your book is like, I can't wait to be like, told ya. I'm going to even hashtag it with that. When your oh, book no. comes out, hashtag I think told ya. Is there, is there a hashtag told you? Probably. Because I feel like I could get into that. Yeah. I told you. Yeah. Um, for sure. For everybody sure. Everybody loves that. Everybody loves being telling. <laughs> exactly. And being told that they have vocal fry even when they have a cold. Um, well, okay. I, I will. I am going to let you go because I have now kept you 28 minutes longer than I was supposed to. Oh my gosh, Danielle. It, it was. I'm just going to invite myself back because I hear you have some people on your podcast multiple times. I do. It's like Saturday Night Live. Like Ashley, Ashley Longshore has the five. She's the only fifth one. So she gets the blazer 
My friend oh. Trey is like at four. So he's like trying to bump her out so that he can, you know, but um, you can for sure come back because I didn't ask you uh, seven of my questions. So, and we didn't do the not so speedy speed round. Okay. Well, thank you so much um, for having me. It was a true delight for me, Danielle. And I wish I had all the time in the world. Um, I'm going to go say, paint suns on a wall. Yes. That sounds like a great rest of your day. Okay. You are for sure coming back, even if it's just to do the not so speedy speed round. And I'm, I'm going to go make a few calls to publishers now, and um, I will talk to you later. Say Danielle. Yeah. Cut this out, but um, will you send me the links and everything and I'll plan on pushing this out in my newsletter on Friday. Yeah. Or like, Make sure and I it'll be in my it. newsletter on Saturday. Well, whenever the case, just make sure I can make sure. Can you make sure I know about it? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. Uh, not to say that I wouldn't, but uh, I just want to be able to promote it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. Of course. It's just so hard. Like when you're having your own business, you really have to have content all the time. And this is, this is so luxurious that I have somebody else making the content. I know. That I can just use <laughs> I know copy paste uh, baby <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so much it seriously now I've talked to you two times and I feel like out of people who like you probably have this effect on everyone you just it just talking to you makes me feel understood in a way that I, I think is that's very special so thank well you. that's exactly how I felt too when you had me on yours and that's why I was like why well, I, I have to get her over here now too so then why don't we just like go back and forth Okay. I'll come back on yours. You come back. on. We'll just do it forever. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Good. Okay. Happy sun painting. I will send, set you a date. All right. We'll send, I might actually, what do you have coming up? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Unless somebody gives me walls for my ashtrays. I have nothing coming up. If you send me photo, I know I was serious about sending you, send me photos of your ashtrays. Okay. (laughs) um, And I'll see if I can think of anybody in SF who has walls. Okay. I will take walls wherever they are. They are because I really just want to take pictures of these. And did you see Sarah? Sarah Lucas had that show at the Legion of Honor in San Francisco with Rodan. Do you know Sarah no. Lucas's work? I do. That name's familiar, but I'm blanking on what it looks like. Uh, she does a lot of smoking and female body. Oh yes, yes, of course, um, yes. But and some of it's plaster, some of it's ceramic. Say again. Hers are actual cigarettes, like they're real. Are they? I thought so. I don't know. I think that's yeah. how they started. I don't prob- probably because I read somewhere that she had quit smoking, but she had so she had all these cigarettes, so she just started using them in her sculptures as a way to get rid of them, and then started I, buying more. To I don't I don't know. Uh, I, did, I haven't read that, but I don't know. Uh, you're probably right. I just uh, I, I feel I feel weird being like I'm a big fan of hers, and I don't know this, but. Uh, I just, when you were talking about your work, it, it, it reminded me of, of, of that show. I feel like you need, you need to have a show at the Legion of Honor with somebody like Rodin, like coupling these like oh really sort of current contemporary, um, sort of feelings and notions with this sort of like in this sort of tradition of like the class. Maybe I could be with some actual altars somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I also wanted to invite myself on your Venice trips um, <gasps> because I've only been to the Venice Biennale once and it was awesome. What year did and you go? What? 
what year did okay yeah i so i'm i want to go back in 22 so badly we'll see yeah we'll see the future yeah full of possibilities and one of them might be venice imagine the conversations we would have in cafes over coffee and gelato we'd both be crying there would be italian tears dripping into our gelato it would be amazing oh i love the taste of tears yes <laughs> gelato with tears please yes exactly. it's a given yeah thank you so much danielle i'm sorry i'm saying goodbye no um, i know okay go 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 I go be free images and i'll see if i can find walls okay deal okay um, okay <laughs> bye isn't she freaking delightful so sweet yet so blunt. <laughs> kind of a perfect combination as far as I'm concerned. I also love how curious she is about so many things. And don't worry, I will absolutely have her back on very soon to make sure that we get that not-so-speedy speed round taken care of. I have a question for her about haikus that I really want to hear the answer to. Thank you so much to Carissa for wearing her heart on her sleeve, as always, and speaking so openly about so much. Bad at Keeping Secrets seems like the perfect name for her newsletter. And I kind of love that she can't keep a secret, because neither can I. Hence, having a podcast where I ask people to tell me their secrets while I record them. <laughs> Anywho, thanks so much to you for listening to yet another episode of Art for Your Ear. If you would like more art in your life, I can help you with that, you could consider subscribing to my daily newsletter club, the No Such Thing as Too Much Art Society. It is $3 a month, which is basically the cost of one measly tall latte at Starbucks. Now, I might be biased, but I think trading in one latte for artsy content delivered directly to your inbox is totally worth it. There's a link in the show notes if you want to sign up. Thanks again to Wireframe for supporting this episode and to my wonderful supportive podcast network, CoLoop, for finding sponsors who care about creativity as much as I do. And with that, I will say there will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.